Today's episode of Beautiful Anonymous, sponsored by MailChimp. MailChimp, a service that I use personally and that I really uh, have found very simple and also effective. So I'm happy to tell you about it. When you want to tell your story to the world, MailChimp can help for free. They got gorgeous pre-designed email templates, but you can also code your own. And I know that sounds hard. As soon as you hear the word code, you run in the other direction. I do it, and I'm an idiot. I really am, so you can do it. They show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email, or click delete. They help you find your people and grow your business. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. More at MailChimp.com. What happens when a med school graduate with $500,000 in student loan debt can't find a job? Starts conducting free therapy sessions for patients he finds on Craigslist? There's only one way to find out. Watch the new series, Shrink, featuring Tim Baltz and other top Chicago comedians only on CISO. CISO, you get unlimited access to CISO original series, plus next day late night, hilarious stand-up specials, all sorts of classics. They got 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live, the entire Monty Python catalog, the IT crowd, so much more. Go to seeso.com right now. You sign up for one month free with promo code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. That's seeso.com, spelled S-E-E-S-O dot com, promo code BEAUTIFUL. Hello, chicken men. It's Beautiful Anonymous. It's one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. Rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hey, everybody, Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. If you're a fan of the show, I wanted to remind you we have t shirts, and they're rad. I like them. We got our new Sorry Sally shirts. You go to earwolf.com, go to the store or shop link. I forget what the link's called, maybe shop. Click it. Uh, get a Sorry Sally shirt. Show your pride in the show. If you're looking for uh, to uh, show off your fandom, it's out there. It's a, it's a cool shirt. Um, so I figured I'd just let you know that those exist. They're back in stock. Check it out. Uh, the recent, last week's episode, it was our big one-year anniversary episode. Ron Paul's baby returned. Guy from our first ever episode. We checked in with him. First time we've ever done a follow-up. I had a lot of fun. It was a good time. Seems like basically, uh, from what I can tell from the Facebook group, a lot of people enjoyed it. The online feedback I saw on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything in the group. If, if, by the way, if you want to join the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the community, there's close to 7,000 people in there. We all discuss the episodes. It's actually pretty chill. The mods are doing a great job. Thank you to the mods who helped that, that group uh, stay sane. And civil, you guys are killing it. Um, last week's episode, a lot of people seem to really um, enjoy hearing from Ron Paul's baby again. A lot of people actually like felt this connection. Like someone named A. Alb in the group said, "I decided to listen to this on the drive to school. I got too emotional. I had to pull over for a bit." That's that's really touching to me. That's nice. A lot of people saying that that it was weirdly emotional. A lot of some people didn't like it. Some people said it was a little underwhelming. Maybe like Caitlin Maloney said, "Not usually a downer, but." I just have to be honest, this episode was totally anticlimactic. I went back and listened to the first RPB. It's one of my favorite episodes. Nothing against Chris or the caller, but I listen to podcasts as a form of entertainment. That's not what this episode provided. I get what people are saying about the episode being real. This one just put me to sleep. Sorry, just had to give my two cents. You know what I'm going to say about that? Harsh, but fair totally fine. If you don't like them, just be cool about it. I'm sorry that we let you down, Caitlin, and uh, hopefully hopefully there's more entertaining episodes 
in your future. But then then I saw something that said the uh, best part of this episode was the love you at the end. It touched me so much. Both Chris and Ron Paul's babies' lives changed so much this past year, and, and there's a special connection in their journey. Thank you, Amanda Bronthorn, for the kind words. So, yeah, that was that episode. I'm glad you guys liked it by and large. Some of you found it a little underwhelming. That's okay, too. We'll get them this week, I hope. Speaking of this week, I wanted to do a light episode because last week, you know, there's all that emotion, the return of Ron Paul's baby. The week before that was a, what I would say is the now legendary made out with my teacher episode, the most talked about episode online we've ever done. Real feelings of rage and fear and concern over that one. So we're going to have a light one this week. Here's what this one comes down to. This dude worked on a cruise ship for a long time, played music on a cruise ship. That's a weird world. That's kind of a hidden world I don't know much about. So we're going to leave it at that. Keep it real simple. Dude worked on a cruise ship. He's got some stories about it. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hey, what's up? Hey, Chris. I can't believe I got through. It's crazy. You nailed it. Um, yeah. Uh, how are you? Pretty good, man. I, I was sick yesterday. I caught this, uh, I had a feeling I was going to get it. On Christmas, I was hanging out with my brother-in-law and his wife, and they have a baby, and they took turns getting like a 12-hour stomach bug, like alternating. Stomach. Okay. And I was holding that baby a lot, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm cooked, man, but I can't, you can't not hold a baby. Babies are cute. So I got the bug. Yeah, I got to hold a baby the other day. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's like a calming. It's you got you got, you know clearly some biology tied into that where you're like, oh yeah, okay, all right, it's a baby. Yeah, I had to say it's like kind of the first time that happened. To me. Really, I'm not that close with um, that part of my family. I guess the baby was like, hmm, like a second cousin or something. Yeah, actually, did you hear that This American Life um, called Kid Logic? Kid Lodge. Yeah, that's one. That's a famous one. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was great. I think they added something to it, but the, um, this, this baby, sorry, this baby um, just kept throwing his bottle for about like 10 minutes on the ground, uh-huh. you know, and just trying to get us to laugh. So I don't know. Made me think of that. Yeah. Um, it's probably the only podcast that offers quick recaps of other podcasts at the top of our podcast. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It was just, you know, yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I, I always thought if I was going to get through, I would, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, kind of like, uh, New Jersey. Cause I'm from there. I'm not going to say like where or anything, but. Okay. Um, it sounds like you, uh, I don't know. It sounds like you have a nostalgia for it or a love for it that, uh, I just don't get. Well, I mean, for what? me personally. What? We're I about never, to have uh, a fight, bro. You're not into the. That? We're about to have a fight, man. You're not into the Jersey. All literally, all I care about is Jersey. I had a dream last night that I was in Jersey. That's cool, but when? I'm curious. Like, when did that? When did that happen? When did it happen for you? Let's see. I uh, like always. Um, I always knew Jersey was a very strange. Place. Growing up there, I was aware. This is weird. This is a weird place. I knew it. I was aware of it. It's an odd place. I knew that. Mm-hmm. When I was nine, ten years old, I was like, I'm from an odd place. Um, and a place everybody makes fun of. I was aware of that, too. 
But I can oh, tell I know, yeah. I can tell you the things that got me into New Jersey. And they okay. came they came at different points in my life. So mm-hmm. when I was very young, probably when I was about nine or ten years old, my older brother, my older brother is a um he's he's an admitted dork, he'd be the first to say it, but he also has very good taste. Always has. Comedy, mm-hmm. music, everything cool that I know about, he got me into. And he started listening to WFMU radio when we were very young. And uh, okay. WFMU, we used to prank call it. We were like, oh, they'll just like take prank calls. And uh, But then we quickly realized, oh, we are prank calling some people who are very, very cool and very underground and doing things their own way. And I really liked that. So I, I, that was okay. the thing. And, and that was before it was – WFMU did not – obviously before the internet did not live stream. So you just had to be in Jersey or around Jersey to get it. So I liked WFMU. And I was in high school – Found Weird New Jersey magazine, and that really hit a chord. And I, uh, I started writing them letters, and they started publishing them. They had no idea that I was only 16 years old when I, they were publishing my early articles, and then I wound up working for them for many years. And that obviously gave me a massive amount of love for New Jersey. And I'll also say that when I was in college, The Sopranos was on the air. And The Sopranos <laughs> is a great show for anybody, but for those of us from New Jersey, especially Essex County, it's just full of references. And to have the most popular pop culture vehicle in the world also be a quiet celebration of your home was also a thing that imbued me with a lot of pride. I would say those three things added up. Mostly weird New Jersey at the end of the day. That was a huge game changer for me, and I'm eternally grateful for them that I got to work there. It's by far the best job I've ever had. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that before. I know some people that uh, have really liked that magazine over the years. And, um yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, the only thing that, that I have pride about it is the music. I mean, Bouncing Souls are like my favorite band ever. I always hear you talk about them. and I didn't see them for years, and I finally saw them again um, a couple weeks ago. And so I had a little bit of uh, of love. All the music that came from New Jersey is totally my style, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess I'll, I'll warm up to it someday. You we're know? having some. We, me and you are having some real simmering quiet tension here. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I just anybody comes in talking kind of like about, a, about Jersey, then yeah, yeah, we're gonna have some tension, well, man. Well, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm from there. You know. Yeah. What? What do you? What's, like what? Do you, song, what? Hashtag. I'm from there. <laughs> what do you dislike so much about it? What was so bad about growing up there, man? Well, I guess I. Uh, um, I don't know. I was just like kind of the only, my family was like educators and, um, we were a little bit weird and, uh, I don't know, just like very, um, conservative Catholic, uh, school I went to, I suppose wasn't a Catholic school, but, um, I suppose it was just a lot of, wait, was it, was it, or wasn't it? It was, it wasn't a Catholic school. No, it wasn't. Okay. It was actually a Quaker school. A Quaker? You went to a Quaker school? A bunch of conservative I went to Quaker schools my whole life, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I like the Quakers. And it was weird because, yeah, uh, I think it was like because um, that some of those families had money, they sent their kids there. And I don't know. It was just a couple of us. Uh, it was like you know, one Jewish kid, one black kid, and then like me. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. you know, my family are professors, you know. But then I, I wound up. Uh, going to high school somewhere else and um, in, into a city. And I kind of like, 
met like some, you know, cooler, in my opinion, like people that were into music and stuff. And then I just never spent time in New Jersey anymore, you know. So you're hanging out in Jersey. You're feeling like an outcast. You're at a rich kid's school. You make your way, presumably if you're in Jersey, to either Philly or New York. And you're like, all right, this more urban lifestyle fits my speed. People with some common interests. I can find some other people who want to get into the same groove I am. Maybe some other people from yeah, basically. Maybe some other people who view themselves as historically being a little bit from the gutter, and I am at home. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing actually. Like when I um, yeah, when I went to high school and I kind of like left all my Jersey people behind. I actually have a pretty intense story if you wanna you wanna hear one. Yeah, about that. I do want to hear okay, it. So, also, can I just say I know you're from uh, I know you're it's Philly because you got the South Jersey accent. You wound up in Philly, true or false? Yes, I wound up yeah, there. Yeah, I know my accents. You say uh, you probably say Wooter. Well, okay. Here's here's how I say it. All right. Yeah. I say Wooter. Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't do the D. Yeah. I got the U and the T. Yeah. I train myself to do that. But when we're talking about Wooter ice. Yeah, we're talking about water ice. It is U and a D. Yeah, yeah, water ice. So you got it. You got it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's you all figured out, man. Okay. Yeah, tell me your intense story. All right. So this happened um, a couple months ago, and uh, so I've always, you know, since high school, I've kind of like, you know, I put all my kind of Jersey friends behind. I got into this new culture or whatever, and uh, having a lot of fun in high school. I got. I kind of just want to, I don't know, talk about some interesting stories from when I was a kid. But um, so I played in my first band when I was like 14 with these two guys. um, And I didn't know one of them. And I went to middle school or elementary school with the other one. And, uh, but it was, you know, I was really into music and it was kind of the first band I was ever in. And we learned a lot together, but they were, you know, in retrospect, I mean, they were like really like racist and, you know, at the time. And I think the more that we, um, you know, were together and the more we talked about stuff, um, the more I got them to be open-minded. But the weird thing is when I walked down there when I was 14 into this basement, um, there was a little like AC Moore swastika up on the wall. Uh-oh. And I was, uh, yeah. And I was 14. I, I was very, con- you know, I... I mean, I obviously knew what it was. Went to Quaker schools, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I don't know. It was just strange, and you know. And then they would, you know, they eventually took it down, and we had a lot of good conversations. And I got them to chill out. Basically, you know, I learned how to play music with these guys, and it's a huge part of my life today. And um, the drummer, you know, years later, he always tried to talk to me and uh, you know hang out or play music, but. Um, I always kind of ignored him. I was just really good at just kind of like shutting the Jersey people out. I know it's a shame, but that was kind of my excuse. You know, I would think about that swastika when I was 14. And I was just like, you know what? You know, fuck, fuck that part of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry. But sorry. recently, and here's, here's where the um, story gets interesting. About two months ago, the guitar player from that band, um, uh, he murdered both of his parents. And I just found out like two months ago. Whoa. And, uh, yeah. So I saw that and the, um, the drummer, uh, you know, he was Facebook messaging me or something. And he was like, he was finally like, Hey man, can I call you? Like, please. 
And I was like, oh, geez. So I did call him, and we've been, like, meeting for lunch and talking about and Oh, sorry. That's okay. Can you believe that? Yeah, uh, sure. We'll believe that but, yeah, that's name. pretty insane. Um, uh, it's a real shame, and, yeah. Did you grow no. up with the drummer or the guy who killed his parents? Who was the one you actually grew up with? I actually knew. I knew him. He was older than me, but I knew him. Oh, um, the guy who killed his school. parents? Yeah. So that's the kid you actually yeah, knew. Yeah, but... Well, I knew him originally. I, I became closer with the ah, drummer, I yeah, suppose, yeah. when we were in the band, because he was all messed up, you know. I think um, he, he was fine in high school, and uh, since we were playing music, he was super focused on that. But he got kicked out of a couple schools, um, and I think he was, uh, he was definitely bipolar. He was in and out of institutions and uh, was definitely manic when it happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just insane. And it was just one of those things where it's like, um, all, you know, I'm very good at like shutting, shutting people out from, from the Jersey. But yeah, in that moment, I was just like, I got to talk to this guy. You know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah. a, that band was important. It's a, you know, it's what I do for a living. I, I play music for a living. Um, you do? I do. What do you play? Yeah, I do. I'm mainly a bass player, but um, I give lessons. You know, I mainly make money right now by teaching, mm -hmm. and I do all kinds of stuff um, with that. But I'm mainly a bass player. Like I, you know, wedding bands, singer songwriters, and cruise ships. That's uh, been cruise ship my life kid. for a while. I've always been very fascinated. Yeah. I I have a lot of friends. There's like a lot of comedy troops on uh on cruise ships, and I have a bunch of friends who have done this. And I took a, I performed stand up on a cruise last year. My friends, uh, the Impractical yeah, Jokers, yeah. Sal Volcano, yeah, he invited me on their cruise. But my friends who perform on cruise ships, who get those cruise ship gigs, they say that they go insane rather quickly. They say that they're maddening. Although, oh, yeah. And there's all sorts of like backs. Here's the thing people don't know this about cruises. I didn't know this until I had friends who worked on cruises. There's all kinds of like weird behind the scenes status among the workers there. And people are like, there's like real love affairs. Oh yeah. <laughs> do you get one of those? Yeah. It's, um, do you get one of those entertainer passes? Entertainer passes. Like, um, my friends have told me that there's like a thing where like, if you're a crew member on a ship, you're not allowed to go in certain areas. But that the com oh. a lot of the comedians they'll get these things they'll get like an entertainer level pass where they get like a real room instead of like a ship a crew bunk and they'll be able to go eat oh, at yeah, like yeah. the buffet with the guests with the regular crew is not allowed to do and it creates this status thing and, and a lot of girls want to hook up with the comedians because they get to sleep in like a real bed yeah they want to stay in the room that's yeah, true so that's nice true <laughs> yeah um, yeah the way the company that I work for um it is kind of like a hierarchy like that. Um, it was uh, because I was in the entertainment department. Um, I could pretty much go anywhere. I just had to look okay. I could go eat what the guests eat. And um, yeah, it was cool. I had a lot of like privileges. And because I had those privileges, yeah, sometimes, you know, there's, um, there's some people that are really, you know, underpaid and overworked. Um, though, you know, their money is, American money is really good somewhere else in the, in the world, you know, like the Philippines or something. Yeah. So even a salary of like, and it, like a salary of like 600 bucks a month sounds terrible, but when you're getting fed and, you know, I know it sounds, it does, it is really bad, but that, that money is really good back home. 
yeah. um, for them. And it, in the cruise um, the industry, say about, there's oh, a lot sorry. of Filipino workers in the right. Kind of like no, that's like the stereotype, right? Is a lot of a lot of yeah, a lot of Filipino crew on cruise ships. Yeah, there's a ton. There's a lot of, and that's the coolest part of my whole experience. I'd say definitely not playing uh, Margaritaville, but <laughs> I wonder how many times I played Margaritaville, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, oh Jesus. Okay, but yeah, like. I met people from probably 80 different countries and yeah. I think I, I did it for about two years and uh, yeah, usually they say like between 50 and 60 countries are represented in the crew on each one of these things. And did you ever go to the crew um, bar? Oh, hell yeah, man. Friend of mine, I mean, friend of mine told me the crew bar. Fed. Yeah. You go, you go. I'm interrupting. In the world. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you get fed, um, you know, room and board, you know, in a hole and you can't really breathe if you're claustrophobic, it is not a good job. And then the cheapest bar in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you spend money on is the, literally the cheapest bar in the world. And even, you know, I'm a, I was a bad smoker and uh, my cigarettes were like two bucks a pack. <laughs> it's like all the sin taxes were taken care of and food and but a buddy. Yeah, it is good for a little while. You tell yeah. me if this is true to your experience, because I have a buddy who he would go to the crew bar and he described it as one of the strangest environments he's ever been in. Cause he said it was like, like you said, very, very diverse crew, but in the crew bar, he said everybody would just kind of like stick to their own. So it was like sort of like a very segregated bar. Well, in a way, I mean the international, you know, workers when they're off, they all speak English. Um, that's one of the, you know, the things, uh, but they want to speak their own language when they're taking time off, you know? So sometimes mm -hmm. that happens, but there's plenty of, um, I don't know. I, I had a really good experience with, you know, all the cultures and there's a lot of friends, uh, you know, between, but obviously like if you're out like having a drink or smoking a cigarette, you want to, you know, if you're Romanian, you want to speak Romanian with your Romanian buddy, yeah, you know, cause you've yeah. been speaking broken English all day. Yeah, so it's and, not it's uh, not like a tension based thing. It's just hey, a taste of home. We're off the clock. Let's not not up. the not the company I work for. I yeah. think the uh, company I work for was really good at um, you know that good HR and all this yeah you know togetherness training and yeah it's it's bullshit but it's also I appreciated it and I think uh, there was hardly ever any fights you know yeah, yeah I think that's amazing and were you a single man during your days on the cruise ship Yeah, I was yeah. So, dude, okay, talk to me honestly here, okay? Because it's it's anonymous. You're a, you're a single guy. Yeah. You're the bass player in a cruise ship, man. You're allowed, yeah. you're allowed to go anywhere you want. So you got the, you got probably a lot of single ladies coming on the cruise, and it's like, uh, you know, what happens on the cruise ship stays on the cruise ship. You got the crew who's maybe all coveting the access you have, the accommodations you have. When you're single and playing yeah. bass on a cruise ship, it gets it gets pretty crazy in that department, huh? If you want it to. If, yeah, if I uh, if I wanted it to, yeah. Um, well, first of all, you can't mess with the passengers or the guests, which really? we call them. That is like really, really no, no, no. Even as the bass player, I mean, I suppose if even as the bass player, yeah. No, I mean the things that have um, because of lawsuits and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That is like the biggest rule. Yeah. Obviously, it gets broken, but I didn't ever because, to be honest, I was more interested in the Romanian waitresses. Because they look much better than the people that go on cruise ships, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no I, mean, offense, right? I mean, like... No offense to any of our listeners who are cruise enthusiasts. 
don't go anywhere because I know for a fact that cruise ships get pretty crazy and this guy's going to tell us all about it and a number of other things. But in the meantime, we got a lot of sponsors. They help me bring this show to you for free. Check out what they got to offer and we'll be back in just a minute. The Casper, my favorite. I sleep on one. Casper! It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, and I love it. You can hear the joy in my voice. Supportive memory foams. They create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. My wife, she's got a little bit of a bad back. You know what she says? I'll never sleep on another type of mattress except a Casper ever again because she loves it. Time Magazine into one of the best inventions of 2015. You try the Casper 100 nights risk-free in your own home. You don't love it? They'll pick it up. They'll refund you. Casper understands the importance of actually sleeping on a mattress before you commit. Especially, you're going to spend a third of your life on this thing. So get on it. They got free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. It's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. I actually am shocked it's 4.8. I would give it a 5, hands down, every time. Legit love my Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash beautiful. Use the offer code beautiful. Terms and conditions do apply, but sincerely, I sleep on one. I love it. Casper.com slash beautiful. Look, we all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves, right? Everybody knows that. And taking care of your mental health, it is not an exception. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can send your therapist text, audio, video messages whenever you want, or even do a live video chat. You need to vent. You just vent about work, family, whatever. You got to talk through something that's on your mind. No problem. That's what a therapist is for, all right? They're there. They're ready to help, ready to not judge you. I love it. I, I've been in therapy for years. It's my favorite thing about it. You can say whatever you want, vent about whatever you need to do. They're there. Sign up to learn more. Go to talkspace.com beautiful. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use the coupon code beautiful to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this podcast. That's code beautiful at talkspace.com beautiful. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. All right, how crazy can a cruise ship get? I bet this guy's going to offer us moderate to extreme details that lay out exactly the answer to that question. Enjoy it. Because to be honest, I was more interested in the Romanian waitresses. Because they look much better than the people that go on cruise ships, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no I, mean, offense, right? I mean, like... No offense to any of our listeners who are cruise enthusiasts, but uh, maybe sorry, some... Sorry, sorry, but no, I mean, it's okay. what's more interesting... Someone who, like, you know, is from a different part of the world yeah. and is, you know, young or someone that's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Going to the it's Bahamas about, for the eighth time. I don't know. It's all about um, the type. And it was cool because I really was excited about that. Like, um, like I was excited about the language barrier and some kind of romance where you can't even, like, communicate properly and it's all sexual. All right, that, that was getting a little weird. But the funny part is I wound up with a uh, girl from Ohio. But not Ohio. Where was she from? I don't know. From a flyover state on the first one. <laughs> you did, so, so is you that know. how it works? It's kind of like you, you go on these cruises and the cruise, like things shift, different people come and go, and you just shack up. Everybody just shacks up together. I'm, I'm going to be – I've, yeah, heard, I've heard that these cruise ships are like uh, – 
like like uh, real like it's because because also you don't you don't get the free internet access even if you work on the cruise. So I've heard there's nothing else to do except kind of like you know, pardon my French, sorry Sally, but screw each other's brains out all day. Yeah, especially if you only work three hours a day, which is what I did. <laughs> Damn, that's a sweet um, gig. Yeah, just drinking and and I suppose that and just you know watching pirated movies just because there's no you can't get the internet. And... Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, no sweat. Um, I like the sidetrack that that took. I tell you, a, a, a stunning glimpse behind the seas, not the yeah. scenes behind the seas. You heard it. Yeah, I went there below the water. That's where we live. Yeah, what's that happening crazy? below Living the surface? Living below the water. The cruise, so the cruise all under the surface of the water, huh? Uh, it, it varies, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of, and there's also a hierarchy, but like how high up you are, you know, the captain's living on like the eighth deck yeah, and then the system waiters are living like way, way down there. And where's the, base? You know, where's they would the be the first to go if it goes down. <laughs> do they put the front, do they put the front man on a, a higher deck than the bassist? Maybe not a deck, but the, the singers always get the room. Really? Oh, Which you... is cool because I got with the singer of my, uh, my first group. So you, wait, yeah, you didn't get girl, your own room? So you didn't get your own matters. room? No, no. I, I lived with all kinds of crazy roommates. Um, wow. Like a 30. We did it. Okay. I, I got one good story for you. Well, it's not that much of a story, but I lived with the keyboard player in my last band, right? And he's about 39, Filipino guy. He's got all the raises he can get. So in the Philippines, he's a rich man. Yeah. Like he's got a house. He's got three cars. His kids are going to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sends all the money home, you know? Um, but he's kind of like, we call it, he's the head of the Filipino mafia. There's the Italian mafia, Romanian mafia, and the Filipino mafia. And obviously there's a lot of Filipinos. So he's the King Ping or King Pin or whatever. And, uh, he has all these businesses. Like he has an American, um, bank account. So he's like buying people phones off Amazon and selling them back to him. And he's doing payday loans and like getting food delivered for a fee from like a good kitchen and all this stuff. So he's like, so like he's, actual, got, he's got his side business. So actual, yeah. actual underground, actual black market economy that this man is running. You're not exaggerating Absolutely. when you and say just, there's a mafia vibe here. There's an actual black market. Yeah, but there's like, it's not like there's no drugs and there's no knuckles being broken, but. Yeah. It was just just to um, just, just to get in on the fun. Fingers. I I lent him like five thousand dollars for like payday loan he, for his payday loan stuff. So you you know, just for fun. I was just like, this is fun. I want to I want to be like you know, you know, I want to get in on the action. Yeah. So I gave him like five thousand dollars. Jersey guy at the end of the day. You're a Jersey guy when it yeah. comes down to it. You want to get in on the mob stuff. But it's it's super cool that I you know I got close with the. Uh, Filipino family man, you know, just cares about his family and has given him a good life. I don't understand why he was away from home for so many months at a time, but yeah, I mean to get that yeah, ass, cool. to get those a lot cars. Of interesting. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. People would just deliver food to our room as a tribute, like as awesome. a tribute to the king. Yep. People would not, yeah. so people were trying to curry favor, favor with your roommate, the godfather of the onboard Filipino mafia. Yeah, maybe they get a lower interest rate on that loan, or who knows? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. This guy's not messing yeah. around, and he plays keyboard. 
Yeah, he plays keyboards, yeah. Wow. He's out there somewhere, <laughs> ruling the, um, the ship. Uh, but you had to get off that ship after a while, huh? It starts to drive you nuts. Everybody I know who's worked on a ship says at some point they actually start to go insane. Yeah, absolutely. And musically, you know, I wasn't doing myself any favors besides saving t- a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. You were um, playing covers. Yeah. Yeah. Live karaoke, Margaritaville. Oh, yeah. Live karaoke's pretty fun. Yeah, not when, you know, not for me. After six <laughs> months of doing it every day. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> so now you're playing in bands, you're teaching bass, picking up wedding. Wedding gigs. Also, living in Philly, I, I used to be a bit of a Philly hater, man, but I've really come around the past few years. I think that city's great, and it's so much cool art there going there now. And you can, like, you can just, like, own a house. You can just own, like, a four-bedroom house in Philly for, like, dirt cheap compared to a lot of the East Coast. Oh, absolutely. And it's still like that. Obviously, prices are going up, but it's, yeah, I could still, you know, if I, I could find a room for 400 or 500 bucks and Damn. in a pretty good house. With Damn. only maybe one or two roommates, you know. Yeah. So yeah, but I actually do. Since I've been doing traveling, I've I've crashed in Jersey with my sister. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it's all about saving bucks. So if you're um, traveling. I'm back. I'm back in the Jersey. Yeah, and, and you're know. hating it, and you're hating on it. You're the self-loathing, self. I got no room for the self-loathing Jersey resident. Jersey's a great oh, place. Oh, I'm not. I'm it's not. The most American I'm, state. I think. Yeah, I think in uh, in time I'll learn to appreciate it. Look at that, man! But uh, I just had I just had a like epiphany when I you know got in the city for the first time. Yeah. All these interesting, diverse people, you know. I get it. I get it. I mean, you're hanging out with people who draw swastikas on the wall. It's not an ideal experience, you know. You gotta, you gotta get yeah, it. I get know? it. <laughs> people forget too in the in the in the punk rock world back in the day there used to be a whole like Nazi punk element and I think that's largely gone away now I think that's a good thing we'd all agree I'm sure yeah, I'm sure it's still out there to a certain degree but the idea that when I was 14 or 15 years old I was like reading interviews and fanzines with Nazi based bands I don't I don't think I don't think there's as much casual exposure to that anymore as there used to be you have to seek that out a little more I think yeah 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 who knows where that's at and I also heard uh, a lot of the uh, like the Nazi, the swastikas and stuff in the seventies and even the late sixties. It was just like the baby boomers' way of pissing their parents off. Like they didn't really have any, you know, ideological attachment to it. They just wanted to be like, "Hey, you guys, uh, you know, fought in England to like to liberate our country, and we're just going to piss you off by wearing these swastikas because we know you hate it." That's what I heard. Like sex pistols era. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. There's many. I, I imagine there's many a reason someone wears a swastika. <laughs> or a not that it's an excuse. Jesus yeah, Christ. I, I can't. No. I can't really vouch for any of them. Yeah. Um. So what else, man? What else you want to talk about? We're about halfway done here. Heard about the. Uh, we heard about the cruise ship life. We heard about a grisly murder that an associate of yours pulled off. We've heard about your. Hatred of New Jersey. What else? What else? It's a real poo-poo platter, real smorgasbord episode. Well, poo-poo platter. I don't know. I, I just think, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think I have, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of in a transition period. I hope I find something good soon to do with myself. But I definitely had some interesting experiences, and I am pretty young. Um, I liked, you know, so, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you one more interesting thing. And uh, 
um, back when I got into the city for the first time, I started going to this little music school that um, eventually became the inspiration for the movie School of Rock. Wait, you, and, went, uh, you went to the School of Rock? I went to the real School of Rock. As a student? Called the Paul Green School of Rock. You attended, yeah. you attended the School of Rock? I did. Okay. Yeah. So here's what happened. It was um, just a, a really crappy uh, apartment building in, in Philly. And um, I did private lessons. And then like three or four times a year, you do cover shows. Um, and uh, it was just a crazy place. The guy who started it, the founder, absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> Jack Black is crazy. This guy is like, you know, oh, my God. He was insane. Throwing chairs and you know, screaming and really, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I don't want to insult him, but, um, I mean, he, he got, I mean, I learned a lot from this guy, but he, so but what he's, happened but was, he, I want to be clear. He's getting, oh, he's getting this mad. Like if a kid messes up a cover of, uh, of hotel California, he's smashing chairs against the wall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's all, co- <laughs> it's all cover. Based, like, right? but st- yeah. But we got into some intense stuff like Zappa and, uh, so again, yes, so, rock. so when it gets to that prog rock level, when 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 somebody's real, somebody hits a wrong chord on a Zappa song, and the guy just picks up a stool and smashes a mirror, and like everyone's sitting there, like living in fear because someone messed up Zappa. Yeah, someone's well, not necessarily living in fear. I think a lot of us thought it was funny. Really, I thought it was funny, and I knew I knew not to mess up after that. So this guy, like, and we were all messed up. <laughs> That's like a, I was, go, yeah. I would, I would play my song, and then I'd go out and smoke a cigarette. I, I wasn't into weed or anything, but like everyone's getting high, you know. And we're all like fourteen, and yeah, you know, it was just a, it was an, a crazy place. It was just absolutely insane. Yeah, we would go on these. Okay, so what happened was VH1 got a deal to um, do a reality show, so they came, they started filming, and at the time they were filming a documentary about the place. But VH1 thought it was, wasn't going to do well, so they stopped. And a year later, they were doing production for the movie School of Rock. Mm-hmm. They kind of took the they took the idea, but they also, for some reason, had the right, or not the right, to use School of Rock, like the brand, I guess. Yeah. So basically that movie just franchised the whole place, and now it's a... It's corporate. It's, it's maybe 500 up. schools around. Yeah, it cleaned up um, because that movie was such good publicity, but it really actually came from this crazy place where I'd go on tour, get high and drunk, went to Germany, <laughs> played Zappa covers when I was 15. So, so you were there You were insane. there when School of Rock was cool, man. You were there when School of Rock was still, I was. Had his heart. Can, can we also say something? And again, I have a lot of love for the city of Philly. I've very much turned around my opinion on Philly. My brother went to college in Philly in 1995. I think it was still a very rough and tumble place there with maybe a little bit of a less yeah. enlightened attitude at that point. But now I think that city is, is so cool for comedy and music and art and everything. That being said, can we admit that a school – where a bunch of 14-year-olds are getting high and playing Zappa covers and a maniac is putting his fist through the drywall is just about the most Philly thing in the world. Um, 
That Philly? Only, uh, yeah. That sure. only happens yeah, in Philly, awesome. right? That only happens in Philly where stuff is like that unregulated and Wild West. That's like, to me, that's yeah. what's beautiful about Philly. It's like, oh, there's just like less attention paid to laws here. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane that nothing crazy happened. Um, you know, too bad. But yeah. uh, So what's the craziest thing you saw during your days at the School of Rock? Well, I got to perform with these insane, basically because the because of the movie, like the best kids, and I don't want to toot my own horn or whatever, but like the best kids were called the All-Stars, and we would go on tours. And because the movie came out, the tours became a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because they were opening franchises. Um, so we go on tour, and sometimes we go on tour and basically be the backing band for some rock star. So I got to play with all these crazy people when I was a kid, like David, uh, not David Gilmore. That'd be insane. Um, I forget his, oh man. Well, Jell Biafra, I did a song with him. Really? Yeah, Billy, he was cool. Uh, We did a whole tour with John Anderson of Yes, like two weeks, Mm -hmm. playing Yes songs. And Mm -hmm. who else? I forget, ooh, baby, I love your way. Who's that guy? I don't know. We'll look it up. Ooh, baby, Peter I Frampton. Love you Peter Frampton. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. But yeah, just um, back in these all these crazy people, tons of people from Zappa's band we played with. Um, yeah, stuff like that, and just going to Germany for a Frank Zappa festival. Um, yeah. And playing to thousands of people like that are into Zappa. It was just, just crazy, and making my best friends in the world at the time, and having a lot of fun. And how getting, old I you? became a great musician because of it. I did it from like, I was traveling. I did it from like 13 or 14 to 17. Wow. But I started traveling when I was like 15. Yeah. And then when you're 17, yeah. are they like, hey, you're not a kid anymore. It doesn't fit the, it doesn't fit the image. It doesn't fit the branding. Well, I, need, I needed to like um, buckle down at school my last year. And, uh, yeah. and I also had my own band. I yeah. was like, I'm not, I don't want to. I don't, know, I don't want to play covers, man. I'm cool. I'm cool. And I got my own band. Yeah. Yeah. But it was amazing. It was amazing. It was really cool. Do you still have your own and, band? Uh, do you I have do your to own say, band stuff? Oh, you have to say what? I get it. I just have to say that the school is not like that anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's corporate. There are policies. Um, you know, no, no kids are getting high at the school or anything. That's and, good. That's you. Have, yeah. I think you have sufficiently covered your own ass as well as the ass of the school okay. of rock. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Because it's important. I'm glad that it is what it is now. And I'm glad that I was a part of it. When I was a part of it. Um, Cause it was so much fun and so ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. You got your own band now. You got it. Right, I'm done. Sorry. I'm just saying I'm done rambling for a second. Sorry. That's fair. Yeah, I got a couple bands, nothing too serious, and I'm just focusing on teaching and just figuring out what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. What, and what kind do you, I, I would imagine with your background, do you just like all types of music? Well, I mean, growing up, I mean, love punk rock, the Bouncing Souls, like tons of stuff from Jersey. I'm really in that band Titus Andronicus right now. Yeah, I like the Titus but, um, Andronicus. I studied jazz in college. You know, oh, that's so cool. I had to, I had to get to be a bass player. I wanted to explore all different types of stuff, Who but now that? I just want to listen to punk rock bands. Yeah. Who Again. else are you listening to these? Days? I'll tell you this about the bouncing souls. I liked the bouncing souls and they were like Jersey gods, but I saw the bouncing souls at the wetlands in the nineties and I was up front 
And the singer, Greg, he kicked me in the face by accident, broke my glasses, didn't apologize, and I've always held a grudge. And then I hosted a show at the at the Music Hall of Williamsburg where it was uh, the Bouncing Souls played, and it was one of the guys from the Gaslight Anthem played, and then a bunch of other bands, and I was hosting it. And a comedian on a music gig. Here's the I would say as a comedian, the hardest gig for a comedian is opening for bands. It always seems like a good idea. People are always excited. We're going to merge comedy and bands. And it's so hard because fans of bands do not want to hear some nerd talk. And nobody comes to a Bouncing Soul show to see some nerd tell jokes. And I I mean, I bombed probably as hard as I've ever bombed while opening for the Bouncing Souls. It was sponsored by um by Brooklyn Vegan, who have been very supportive of me. And still, anytime my name is mentioned on Brooklyn Vegan to this day, someone will leave a comment like, "Yeah, I mean, I get I, you guys think he's good, but I saw him at that show you sponsored, and he ate it, and I did." Oh man! And I'll say, Bouncing Souls, uh, they weren't the guy in the '90s kicked me in the face. And uh, no, you did it again, right? No, well, not, I mean, they didn't actually physically kick me in the face again, but they didn't. They, know, they weren't the cool. They weren't the night when they saw me bombing, and I don't think they asked for me to be on the bill. I think Brooklyn Vegan like pulled some strings and did me the favor, and then I think they were just like, "This is a sad night." I think the Bouncing Souls made it pretty clear they didn't want me there. Yeah, yeah. How do you do it like music festivals when there's like comedy tent? Those are good because that's a tent dedicated to comedy. And I'll also say this, that musical of Williamsburg show really did. I've always been like a self-punishing person who I'm like, if a thing is really hard and embarrassing, I want to just like conquer it. So I've actually performed, Mm -hmm. I've made a point of performing opening for bands since then. And I I think I've actually gotten pretty good at it, but it's the hardest one. It's the hardest one by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Comedy tent though is good. I can imagine. Because here's the thing about a comedy festival and a comedy tent is for some reason... Comedy tent, by and large, at a festival is one of the only places that's air-conditioned. And I don't know why. Comedy tent almost always has air conditioning. And at a festival, people want to just hang out in the air conditioning. So they're psyched to be there. Goes a long way. Yeah, I I remember going to the movie movie theater tent or whatever at Bonnaroo because it was just – felt amazing yeah. you know when it's like 100 degrees outside you know yeah Bonnaroo everybody's yeah. like all cross-eyed on Molly and they've been rolling around in mud and on the th- by the third day everybody's got like a band everybody's like shirtless with a bandana and ski goggles on it looks like footage of like Fallujah it starts to look really yeah. scary and messed up and then you're in the comedy tent and there's air conditioning and people come in and they're like oh I feel like a human again and someone's telling me jokes bonus so if- yeah Festivals with dedicated areas, easy. Probably the worst gig I ever did, though, Lollapalooza. I got booked for Lollapalooza. We're going to go ahead. We're going to take a little break now because I want you guys to brace yourselves. You're going to hear a lot of uh, bitterness in my my voice as I I recount one of the sadder professional views I've ever had. But before we get to that, we do have a lot of sponsors. They got products. They got services. They, They help make this show happen. They allow me to bring it to you guys for free. Check them out. What happens when a med school graduate with $500,000 in student loan debt can't find a job, starts conducting free therapy sessions for patients he finds on Craigslist? There's only one way to find out. Watch the new series Shrink featuring Tim Baltz and other top Chicago comedians. It's only on CISO. CISO is a great thing. I have many friends who work there, many friends who are excited in the comedy world to be a part of it. CISO, you get unlimited access to CISO original series plus all sorts of next day, late night, hilarious stand-up specials, and 
binge-worthy classics, 42 seasons of SNL, the entire Monty Python catalog, the IT crowd, so much more, plus tons of great original series on CISO, like the McElroy Brothers, My Brother, My Brother and Me, which uh, my, my, one of my best friends in this world, J.D. Amato, he helped make that whole show, and uh, Greg Doris, Jackie Jennings writing on a lot of friends of mine. Checking it out. Also, an animated fantasy role-playing game starring Dan Harmon, a fake reality show created by the geniuses behind Comedy Bang Bang and Reno 911. It's all hand-picked, ad-free, and on-demand. Access CISO anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, Apple TV, almost any device, really, all for just $3.99 per month. That's no joke, $3.99 for a month. Go to SEESO.com right now. Sign up for one month free with promo code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. That's CISO.com, spelled S-E-E-S-O.com, promo code BEAUTIFUL. I got great news for you. My pal, Lauren Lapkus, a very, very talented and extraordinarily kind friend of mine. Her improv podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus. It's back. New episodes, brand new lineup of guests to host her show. I have done this show. You can listen. Actually, a parody of Beautiful Anonymous. Anonymous Beautiful is a a past episode of Lauren's show if you want to get your feet wet. Each week, Lauren fills the guest seat, passes off hosting duties to friends like Scott Arkman. Paul F. Tompkins, I was lucky enough to do it myself once, and it was so fun, such a good time. You never know who's going to show up, what characters they'll play. you got to tune in, find out. Listen to new episodes of With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus every Friday on Earwolf, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. All right, let's finish out this super cash phone call. Probably the worst gig I ever did, though, Lollapalooza. I got booked for Lollapalooza. Um, I won't say, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but it was a corporate sponsored stage and, um, they did not advertise it well. And I was hired to perform in between bands. Bands were doing these side gigs, like acoustic sets. And I was supposed to do crowd work in between bands to keep the crowd there, but they didn't advertise it. It was not in any of the literature for Lollapalooza. So no one knew it was happening. So like. A band would play and like, uh, you know, a couple dozen of their specific fans would see them tweet about it and would show up and then they'd leave. And they said contractually that I was obligated to do crowd work. And there was one stretch where I was doing crowd work for a very long time, like more than 30 minutes to an entirely empty field. Because I tried to get off stage and they tried to get off stage. They were like, you got to do the crowd work. And I was like, there's no crowd it's not how that works. And they were like, we're not paying you to stand off to the side of the stage. I was like, if people come, I'll go up, I'll talk to them, but no one's here. So I had to go and actually just, I'm not exaggerating when I say just speak into a microphone for the enjoyment of a patch of grass. And then two friends of mine came by and saw me and said that they have rarely been sadder. Oh, man. Yeah. I also remember La Palooza as this festival where it was like, all the alternative kids, and now it's just the Midwest shows up and gets hammered in Chicago. Yeah, it's a little more uh, bro-y. Can I say that? Yeah. I don't know. So, a little bit more bro-y. When you're yeah. talking about these festivals, are these festivals you've attended or played? Have you played Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza? Well, the crazy thing is, yeah, going back when I was a teenager, it was like we would play at Kids of Palooza. You know, we were average. It was a marketing thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh it was crazy. Um, I played a song right after Perry Fail- Farrell, uh, uh-huh. James Addiction. He played a song with the kids. I didn't play with them, but um, I think that was the biggest crowd I ever played in front of. It was like he was at the kids' stage playing with us. They did one of, and I went out to play a song right after. Like we just ran out there while we had like thousands of people. That's you cool. Know? We just ran out there and played like I forget what we played, Search and Destroy or something like that. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I went to a couple of festivals. Also, see when it's playing with the with the school of rock. But I also just went to a couple just when I was like eighteen, yeah, nineteen. You just know, watch some bands and parties and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take some weird pills that somebody swears is the thing you're trying to take, and then you just pray that it is. Yeah, yeah. Some lunatic in a tent hands you a thing and says, "Yeah, this is the thing you're looking for." And you just a lot of fake stuff at those festivals. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah. Got myself in trouble at a couple of festivals in my day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hanging out with Molly. Bonnaroo fell off the wagon. Did too much Molly. Really messed, oh, my, wow. really messed my life up. I had been sober. Oh, shame. Had been sober for 10 years and then ate way too much Molly on my first time off the wagon. Very quickly. Okay. Got back on the wagon where I belong. That's good to hear. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, you know, I don't know how you do it, but I totally respect it. I don't, you know what I mean. I don't know if you do the program or whatever. It doesn't matter, but I totally respect it. I had to take a break a couple of years ago. Yeah, I've so. never done the program, but I'm uh, I, I, uh, that was mostly just through happenstance. Like I think it would have been easier if I had. I just kind of gave it up cold turkey one day. I was 21, 21, and I quit drinking. It's great. Yeah, it's all right. That was I think that was I think that was the age I. Had to stop or take a break, at least. Yeah. 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 So who are you liking these days? You say Bouncing Souls. You grew up liking. You still like the Titus Andronicus. I enjoy the Titus Andronicus. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, Who else are you digging on these days? Every time I talk about... The Menzingers, yes, one of my brother's favorite bands, yeah. I believe. Every time I talk about music on this show, the fans of Beautiful Anonymous just tweet at me, tried to listen to those bands, didn't like them. It happens every time. It's okay, though. So Menzingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? Who else? Yeah, Menzingers. Um, it's a Philly band called, I haven't listened to them in a while, but I loved seeing them live. Um, oh, jeez. We're talking modern, modern civil and attention. Modern baseball, the Super Weeks. Who are these Philly bands? You're like not hey. into modern baseball. Okay. Little, there's a band called Radiator Hospital that's pretty cool. Oh, I don't really listen to them, but they're a Philly band. You don't got to tell me about Radiator um, Hospital. Cayetana, you ever listen to Cayetana? Oh yeah, I've hung out with them before and stuff. Well, I don't know them personally, but they're at the same spots on that. Yeah, sometimes. And um, oh, I want to shout them out, but I totally forget. I haven't listened to them in a while. But yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of punk rock bands, like that's it. I don't like. I don't pretend to know a lot about the scene. I just like the songs and mm-hmm. listen to them over and over again. Yeah. And then I'll put on a John Coltrane record, you know, whatever. Look at that. So, Look at that. Well, whatever. Yeah. Well, I can do the punk rock. Th- I'll hang out at the Golden Tea House, R.I.P. And then I go home. I listen to some Coltrane. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I like. Uh, I'm gonna check out Shell Shack though. Shell Shack's great, man. It's a great song. I hate it. I heard the one episode where. You know, the woman didn't like it, and I was like, you know what? You got you to get the whole record first before you judge. Okay? Yeah. You can't, it's a great song, though. You can't judge. Did they do the, that just for you? Eight seconds, just the eight seconds that's at the top of the show. They, uh, Shell Shag are old friends of mine. They played the Gethard show, the public access version of the show. Um, actually, okay. this, right the episode before I left for Bonnaroo. And, uh, and, yeah, we quickly became friends, and... It's just John and Jen, and they got that big, crazy light-up pyramid amp, and they play over it, and their songs are all about being in love with each other, and I think it's a really beautiful art project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah. That's awesome. I mean, did they write the theme song uh, just for the show? Or no, is that just one of their that's one. Of, I think that's track one off of their 
second most recent album, Shell Shag Forever, Face to Face. The song's called Face to Face. It's a great album. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm getting it. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll check it out on Spotify first. Yeah, before you commit. Before you commit. I get that. That's how you do it, you know. Hey, we all live in the modern world, bro. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that's cool about being a musician, you can write off that Spotify premium account in a year. Or I don't know if I can, but I do it anyway, so. Um, Yeah. No, you got it. Yeah, being a comedian, you write off everything. I'm an yeah. actor. I'm an actor. Every time I see a movie, that's research. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I've been on TV a couple times. That means if I want to go eat some popcorn, watch the Avengers fist fight, I'm researching my craft. Thank you very much. <laughs> Even the popcorn? No, I don't write off the popcorn. I'm not trying to push it, man. All right, I'm all not right. trying to mess with the IRS. Yeah. If the IRS is listening, I don't write off the popcorn. <laughs> I just write off the ticket. <laughs> The medium popcorn, medium cherry Coke combo, that's on me. Okay, that's not on your guys' dime. But when I watch Ant-Man turn into Giant Man and they finally get Spider-Man right in Captain America Civil War, yes, I do write that off. So uh, how about the new Star Wars? Do you see that? Can we geek out over that? Yeah, I saw Rogue One. I loved it. I saw people on Facebook saying they didn't like it, and I said, those people are curmudgeons who don't know how to feel joy. Yeah, I thought it was great. And I didn't know anything... I, everyone knew what it was about, like specifically what it was about. Yeah. And I didn't know, and I finally realized it halfway through, and I thought I made the biggest discovery ever. I was like, no one in this theater knows that it's about the Death Star plans. <laughs> That's cool, man. But I, didn't, I didn't just ruin it. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I ruined it. But apparently everyone knew that except me, and I yeah. thought I came to this big discovery. No, that was like, 100% in the very first trailer. Bold face. It was like the first line oh, in the first geez. trailer. Yeah, I don't. I actually well, don't I know how you managed to videos. avoid that because it was everywhere. Well, I'm I'm not the brightest, I suppose. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> or man. I didn't watch the trailers, probably. Yeah, not the most yeah. uh, not the most glowing endorsement of your Quaker education. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, did you have yeah, to do? Quakers, you, did, I, don't, I don't know. Did you do that morning meeting thing at your Quaker school? Oh yeah, and it was awesome. I don't know if it was in the morning. Um, it's just people. It's I don't know. It's just people sitting. Like and it's kids at Quaker schools. They just sit the whole school, which isn't that big. But you sit in the meeting house and you just kind of shut up, and you do it for forty five minutes. It's crazy. Is it, is it I, and I think too that really like, cool. if somebody has a grievance with another person, you don't like stew on it. You stand up in front of your community. You say, "Yo, bro." You did this thing. It bothered me. Isn't there that aspect? Because I have a but I've always I've long admired the Quakers. The Quakers. Every time you read about early American history, they're always on. They're always on the uh, on the right side of, of 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 social issues. They're always they always wind up correct. They were anti-slavery way before that was popular. They're everything everything with the Quakers, peace pacifists. But then I have a buddy who went to a Quaker school in New York, and and he liked it. And I said, I'm really jealous because I always thought that that system where you just like. If you have a problem with someone, you stand up, you say it, you deal with it. The community's there to monitor and help you through. And he was like, yeah, theoretically, it's great. But what happens is it's just the most annoying people get up and talk every day for 35 minutes and everybody else is like, shut up. Yeah, that's kind of true. But, you know, in all my experience, it's never directed at anyone individually. I think the concept is that uh, 
if the spirit moves you, you stand up. And of course, it could be some, you know, it could be something, you know, a grievance about something. But I, I don't think any never like the ones I've been in. They don't ever single anyone out or anything like that. Yeah. But um, but it is it is cool. And when when like six year olds are doing it, and you know, yeah, the teachers will let them stand up. It's part of the the thing. So they'll just stand up and and just say like. I peed five minutes ago or something like that. So it's kind of funny when you're with the young kids and they're all just standing up and saying dumb, dumb stuff. That's um, cool. And the yeah. older kids are passing notes to each other. Really? Yeah. You getting some coffee, bro? But it was cool. Um, you getting a drink? Huh? You getting a drink, huh? Uh, I'm just getting a little water. A little water from the water, water cooler? Yeah. From my Brita filter. Brita filter. My dad's an expert in water. He's got a PhD in environmental uh-huh. science. He says you should never drink from a Brita filter. It's one of the most disgusting things you can do. Is that right? Even like a new one? Actually, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I just really threw a major corporation under the bus. I'm sure that they do fine stuff and really monitor this. But he does say that the more you use a Brita filter, the more it's just bacteria trapped in there. You have to be really careful, clean it out, replace that filter. Most most people know. Not, I'm not, I'm not trying to cross, I'm not trying to get in the, in the, I'm not trying to stand on the tracks as the, as the raging monster that is the Brita Corporation comes barreling down at me. I'm not trying to get on the wrong side of the Brita Corporation, but you really need to change that filter more often than you do. So says my dad and, uh, you okay, can trust the man because he cares about water. Keep on top of that filter change or else you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, I don't mind tap water. I never, I always say you can't pamper your immune system, you know? Uh, sometimes you need the bacteria, you know, but maybe not um, all that bacteria and, uh, yeah, you know, in the Brita filter. I love the tap water, but I'm not environmental scientist. So my know. dad says, my dad says you run the tap for about mm, thirty to ninety seconds. Most pipe systems, you're good. Although he does say that Flint, Michigan, not the only town that's going to run into this old pipe issue, and that there's going to be some major infrastructure needs in America. But hey, if 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 what we're gonna do here is really get into the nitty gritty of the water treatment needs of America, <laughs> I, I would say we really need my dad here because I'm not trying to misquote the guy or instill any fears into the uh, to the water drinking public out there with seven seven minutes left in our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good tip, you know. Yeah, change that filter. Change it. It's it's blinking green right now, so it was blinking orange for a while. I don't know the significance of that. What does it mean when it's blinking green? That Fil- means it's filters good or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just keep it safe. Play safe, bro. All right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So six minutes left. I've been really enjoying this, man. I have to say, yeah. That's good. This is crazy. Um. Good. And yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I talked a little crap on Jersey. That's um, all right, man. I like it. I, or I was just saying, I, w- I would like to know why or when you started to feel that love because I still want to get away. You know, I think I broke okay. down when, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I love New Jersey. It's because it's a place. Because <laughs> here's why. Here's why. It's because it's a place that is largely derided. It's a place that a lot of other people make fun of, but it's a place full of people who, in my experience, are some of the most hardworking and honest people I've ever been around. It's also a place where I think. There's very realistic people. It's like you got to work hard. You got to get things done. 
and uh, and 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 that's why I would say, as somebody who likes the music of New Jersey, you'd agree. I think that the art of New Jersey tends to be very cool uh, because I think. Not many people are raised by artists in New Jersey. I think it's fair to say. I think it's a little bit more of a hardworking culture. And uh, I think because yeah. of that, I think there is that working class ethic in the work of a lot of artists of New Jersey. And I think that that's, it means that Jersey can be kind of a difficult place and challenging place. But when Jersey is cool, that means that it's because something has really broken through and it has that ethic and that and that vibe. And I think a lot of the best bands and 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 comedians are from New Jersey because of that because you have to you have to double you have to triple down if you want to do it cuz nobody's saying hey uh music is viable comedy's viable acting is viable art is viable it's like no it's viable if you work as hard at that as as your dad worked at what he did which was almost definitely not art and i think that that leads to such a cool mix of people and cultures and and just a real good healthy positive work-based attitude well said i i get i like that you said it break you you know you break through you know you break through the monotony of it all and you know yeah that makes sense i just remember the misfits i mean the weirdest most artistic punk rock bands probably of you know ever from jersey oh yeah yeah we could list all the good jersey bands man screaming females you listen screaming females uh um a friend of mine just showed me uh showed me them yeah it's one of the best live show me the knowledge knowledge cover it's one of the best live bands you're ever gonna see marissa can play guitar and just blow everybody's minds yeah it's cool i was just picking up uh the mandolin and playing Atlantic City before I saw your number. Really? You know, and, uh, Bruce song? Yeah. yeah. But uh, the band covered it and used, uh, used the mandolin. Put, your, put your hair up pretty and meet me tonight yeah. in Atlantic City. Yeah, that's a good song. What's the, first, what's the first line of that song? The first line of that song always breaks my heart. There's going to be... Uh, uh, what is it? Oh, no, wait, don't tell me. Uh, the last, oh, God, the last three minutes of this might be me desperately trying to remember the first lines to Atlantic City. Uh, you got it, man. It's not come to me either, so just go for uh, it. It's, uh, uh, they, what, they, I know that it, I don't know if it's the first line, but they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. In Philly last night, They yeah. blew up the and chicken. they blew up his house, too. And they blew up his house, too. For a fight, we we need to call up the lyrics of Atlantic City, Jar. We need because now there's. Oh, I think I got him now, man. Oh yeah, pull him up, pull him up. You got it now. You got him. Well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night, and they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state, and the DA can't get no relief. Now, what does any of this mean? I, I don't know. I, it reminds me of like uh, Boardwalk Empire kind of thing. It definitely, yeah. real old school stuff. <laughs> but Boardwalk Empire came out like thirty years after this song. But what does? Oh that, no, I know. But I mean, like that era, you know. Can we talk? Because you're a Jersey transplant, living in Philly now. We all know who the Philly. We blew. They blew up the Chicken Man in Philly last night. What does that? Because the Philly, who he was a mascot, right? For the Phillies, wasn't the Phillies chicken? 
Chicken Man. I don't know. There's a. Blew up his I know it's not the show Boardwalk Empire, but there was a uh, on the show. It's all based on stuff, kind of. And I remember they killed yeah. someone, a butcher in Philly, on the show. Oh, Maybe it's just old mob stories, bro. I am telling you, Boardwalk Empire came out after Atlantic City. It is not It's not inspired. I know. I'm talking, but it's about. <laughs> Came out in it's 1982. About, like a real thing. No, I, I'm looking it up now. Mm-hmm. I guess the chicken man was Philadelphia crime family mafia boss Philip Testa, who was killed by a bomb planted at his Philadelphia house in March 1981. Okay, so it's a lot. Of, That's okay. what I'm saying. I, the, the show is based yeah. on that stuff. Yeah, you it's were based right. On real. You were right. I was wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. Okay, sorry, dude. I'm getting worked up here. <laughs> I had the tea with the caffeine today. Earwolf has the tea without the caffeine and the one with the caffeine. I had the one with the caffeine, and now 90 seconds left, and me and you are fighting over the significance of the phrase chicken man in Bruce Springsteen's Atlantic chicken City. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but that one, that's the one where I, it's, it's in, I always, because, you know, you got the, uh, you got the, the, the parts that sound like a love song, but then a lot of it's also about, like, um, you know, like the DA and, and unions, very Springsteen, right? Yeah, got a debt. There's one line: that no uh, honest man can pay. You know, yeah, that one, and you know, I'm gonna do a favor for him, like because he's out out on his luck and he's got to do something illegal. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. very Jersey, and yeah. I loved when the band covered it. Um, you get that like southern uh, southern accent twang like singing that song it's cool yeah that, i tell you i got a cousin from freehold people don't sound like that in freehold new jersey boss as an affect <laughs> everything dies baby that's a fact for me everything that dies someday comes back but you make up on fix your hair up pretty <laughs> and meet me <laughs> tonight in atlantic city Bring i forgot the harmony so you're playing that on a mandolin yeah but it's a piece of shit i got a Change the strings. I just wanted to play that one song, so I picked it up, found it out of my storage. You just got a mandolin in storage? Yeah. Weird. Got a bunch man. of weird stuff in my storage. Weird. All musicians are hoarders of terrible equipment. And, you know, it all. Caller, thank you for calling, although I will never forgive you for getting Atlantic City in my head. It's going to be in my head all day, and I bet a lot of our listeners are going, damn it, now you got that song. It's a good song to have in your head. The worst songs to have in your head. Thank you for the call. Thanks for telling me where things are at, what life is like. You seem like a pretty good dude. And it's nice to meet you, and thank everybody for listening. And thank everybody who makes this show happen. Jared O'Connell, the Reverend John DeLore, Greta Cohn, Shell Shag, as, as mentioned, Shell Shag. In the intro music, great, great band support, Shell Shag. Want to know more about what I'm up to? ChrisGeth.com, tour dates up there. Rate, review, subscribe, Beautiful Anonymous on iTunes. It really, really helps. And uh, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting the show. Get in that Facebook group, leave some comments, be a part of things. Thanks to everybody participating in that, and we'll see you next time. Today's show was sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. A Talkspace therapist can help put you on the path to a happier life. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com beautiful. Again, that's Talkspace.com beautiful.
next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we're going to hear from somebody who just really just wants you to stop asking about his genitals. I identified as a gay man, like, for most of my life until my girlfriend or my fiancé started transitioning, and that doesn't have any impact on my, like, love or attraction for her. Really, I'm more attracted to her the, the more feminine she gets because she's happier and more and more herself. Like, I didn't transition so that I could sleep with girls without being a lesbian. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the, the more ridiculous accusations that trans men do get leveled at them. That's, that's amazing. So wait, you were dating your fiancé before your fiancé had decided to transition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a number of years. Wow. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. and I'm back and so is my show with special guest Lauren Lapkus. It's the show where I'm always the guest and there's a new host every week. We've got some awesome new hosts coming soon and they're all a surprise so you'll have to just tune in. New episodes of With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus are coming every Friday. Listen on Earwolf, iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Happy to be home. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.